Well, good morning. As you've already heard, I am not Jen Edmonds, um, your scheduled speaker for today. She's sitting at the back and uh, with no voice left, and I'll be playing the role of her voice this morning. After all, I'm the mouthy one. Thanks for that, Jen. Jen has um, written all of this, and I'll tell you up front that um, uh, I love Jen. I love working with her, and I believe every word to the bottom of my heart, in the all the way to the bottom of my heart that she has written today. So um, we share a lot of the same interests and same kind of background. So um, many of you already know Jen and her guys. So we were going to have a picture here, but we'll... Jake and Jen, Simon and Ben. I've been Jen's friend and coworker for years, and I was glad to come and pinch hit for her today. Um, I'm Christina Dunning, and my family and I live near Advance on the family farm, and I am fortunate enough to share an office with Jen almost every day of our work week. So that's my family. So Jen and I are wives, moms, daughters, sisters, friends, full-time RNs, church members, small, small groupies, occasional counselors, and craze, a crazy list of other titles as the need arise, just like all of you. We wear a lot of hats, don't we? Everybody here, I'm sure, wears a lot of hats. But before we really get started with some of the things we want to share with you today, we want to take a few minutes and check a pulse. Jen and I are nurses after all. So, I'm going to ask you, how many of you this morning had a calm, quiet, organized morning as you got yourself and your people ready for mom to mom? Anybody? Nice and calm? Okay. How many of you ran out of your house like it was on fire, dragging your kids along just to try to make it here on time? And who experienced something in between those, the calm and the total chaos? That was probably me this morning, too. And how many, um, who, I'm sorry, can we just admit it, each woman in this room has total mom wins and total mom fails. How many of you end each day encouraged by all of your many successes? Right? Nope, it's usually only the failures, right, that stick in our heads. Being a mom is hard, and I get it. If you don't already know us, I would say the important stuff about both Jen and myself is pretty simple. We love the Lord. He is our Savior and our King. We love our men, and you would be wise to treat them right. We love our kids and are so proud of who the Lord is making them. And we both come from deep, rich family roots and want to be the wives and moms like the ones we most admire. But we're also 100% human. The usual to-do lists are much too big for us, and we wear our many hats, and we forget which ones we're supposed to be doing, moment by moment. Jen gave me permission to stand here and make some of her confessions to you all. It's a shame she doesn't have a voice, or she could tell you some of my secrets, too. But Jen says... Her kids might have starved to death some weeks if frozen pizzas or peanut butter or canned soup didn't exist. They would have been naked if it wasn't for church hand-me-downs and grandmas. There are dust bunnies the size of my shoe in the corners of her house. 
She learned to invent new foods because she rarely makes it to the grocery store on a schedule. She has argued with her husband over all of the usual parent stresses and sobbed over most of them. She has shouted at her children, standing right out here in the church parking lot right before arriving to teach Sunday school. And she has cried in anger and discouragement in the Walmart parking lot more than once. And she's looked at other women and moms around her and felt completely 100% inadequate. And so have I. And we can't undo one single moment of all and all the others like them. We can't undo any of those. As moms, we are so we so often walk away from those ugly moments with a big bold name tag that says, "Hello. My name is failure." And that's why I'm really standing up here today and why Jen put her words on paper. Because we've reached a point that we got sick of it. We got so tired of the failure label, sick of the impossible standard that we set for ourselves, and sick of the guilt and frustration and fear that we carry around like luggage for us and for the women we care about. And above all, we are sick of Satan lying to us. That label will never make us better wives or moms or friends or employees or neighbors or sisters. And it definitely won't help us walk in a way that honors the Lord. So we each had to learn an important lesson, to cut ourselves a little slack, to let what we could offer be enough day by day until the Lord gave us more. But to do that, we may need a little change of perspective. So time for a little quick survey. How many of your children are wearing clothes this morning? Not necessarily clean or matching or even their own clothes, but just clothes. My kids went out of the house with clothes on this morning. How many of you have something edible at home that you can offer your family to eat today? Edible can be fruit snacks, fish sticks, filet mignon, anything that will sustain them until the next meal. Everybody got food? Yep. How many of your children have a bed to sleep in? No matter if they sleep in it or not, but they've got one. <laughs> yep. My little boy was in the bed with me last night. He... How many of your children have something clean to drink today? Everybody got... How many of you have been able to provide shelter for your family? A roof and walls. Shelter for the kids and our families. How many of you spoken, have spoken and I love you in the last 24 hours? Yep. How many of you would do anything to guard and protect your family? Yep. And how many of you brought your children to a place today where they can learn about Jesus? Can I just pause here and say, well done. You have provided for every basic and fundamental need your child has. Safety, food, water, shelter, and love, belonging, and the opportunity to encounter God. You've done it. Today, before you arrived here, and we are so, so proud of you. These are huge successes and life-changing ones, really. And it's time we start recognizing them and celebrating them together. We obviously each want to be better, wiser, more loving women in our homes, or we wouldn't bother to be here. 
So can we just take a deep breath and let that soak in, to let that be enough until the Lord gives us more? With that perspective, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. So take a look at the printed sheets of Proverbs 31's on your ta- 31 on your tables and just do a quick browse through those 21 verses. We're probably all pretty familiar with Proverbs 31. And when you look over those 21 verses, who feels overwhelmed by that description? Anybody roll their eyes a little bit? She sounds like a total Pinterest wonder woman. This passage has intimidated women for ages because we read it from our hello, my name is failure perspective. But our God is not a bully. And he didn't inspire this passage and write it out just to discourage us or to beat us down. He painted us a picture with these words to give us hope because he loves us. Let's run through a quick summary of what's happening here. If you read the whole chapter in the Bible, you'll see a heading at the top that says the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. This passage was a mom's instruction to her son about what kind of woman to look for. Maybe she looked around and she just didn't see anyone who was quite what she hoped for for her son. And she begins to teach him a poem, an acrostic actually, built on the Hebrew ABCs, summarizing the kind of qualities to look for in a real woman. As you read, it becomes obvious that it is not a snapshot of a day in the life of one perfect woman. This is a picture of what women can be, the best of each of us pulled into one poem. Not only is this passage not talking about one single Wonder Woman, it's also not talking about one single day. The verses describe seasons, transitions, major life events, and slow detailed projects. No one just wakes up this way. The whole passage speaks of the passing of time, of learning and maturing, just like we all have to learn and mature. And this kind of maturing does not happen alone. It describes the qualities a woman can grow over time, possibly over a lifetime, as God does the work of transforming us to look more like Jesus. But again, our hello, my name is failure tag kicks in, and we start looking around, don't we? And we start measuring ourselves, and we compare ourselves. Becky's better at discipline than I am. Jane's way more organized than I am. And we feel the insecurities and the anxieties creep in. But the whole point of this mama's ABC poem is to remind us to go back to the basics to focus on keeping the main things the main things. Relationship with God, love and devotion to your husband and kids, attention and honest effort for each task as it comes, and spiritual growth. When we slow down and really understand this passage, 
The picture emerges of a stronger and better version of us, of God's design for what a woman can be. As we step back and think about her, we can be tempted to cringe because we just don't measure up. We look at our messy chaos and wonder, could I really ever be a Proverbs 31 gal? And God is showing us that yes, yes we can, just not in the way we think, not by working ourselves to death, not by stressing over every detail of life and parenting, <clears throat> sorry, not by stressing over every detail of life and marriage and parenting, not by reading every book or attending every event or listening to the right podcast, not by wasting our time on our emotional hamster wheel, and not by giving each other the side eye in comparison and insecurity. Jen's a visual person, and as she sat and thought and prayed about this passage, she started to almost imagine herself sitting down for a cup of coffee with this woman in her ancient home, feet under her table, and looking around her ancient home, Jen imagined a basket in the corner hidden by the dust bunnies, a basket like this one. And coiled up in that basket, a strong, thick rope. As we think about that rope, one word comes to mind, control. That's what a rope is used for, right? To lift or control a heavy weight, to anchor or control a boat, to lead or control your, an animal. And we have to ask ourselves, how much control are we trying to have over our daily mom life? How much control do we think we have over this whole Proverbs 31 transformation? over becoming the women or wives or moms that we want to be, over this head game we play of comparison and inadequacy and failure. Maybe we're not as in control as we thought we were. Let's start at verse 11 and 12 and break it down a little bit. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. We want our husband's hearts, don't we? And his love, and his trust, and his attention, his affection, his help. And our intention is usually to do our husband's good, right? Not good and not harm. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? We get our feelings hurt some days. We get disappointed or angry or cold. And suddenly the rope we are supposed to be holding begins changing into something very different, something harmful, something destructive. Our human attempt at holding the rope can so quickly become, give me what I want or else type of control. None of us want to do this. None of us intend to grasp for control. None of us want to cause harm instead of good. But it happens. But the passage goes on. And as we browse verses 13 through 24, we start to see a laundry list of jobs and to-dos described. Sewing, some grocery shopping, cooking, gardening, housework, weaving, community outreach, 
ministry, making the bed, decorating the house, home business. And this part's easy to relate to, right? Does it make anybody else feel a little tense? The to-do list is a little overwhelming, a little edgy. It's an overwhelming to-do list. The impossible list that you wake up to every morning and perhaps give up on again every night. And our rope suddenly changes shape again. Suddenly holding the ropes gets messy, complicated, entangled. Anybody else been there? The chaos just keeps growing. At this point, most of, our, most of us try to handle our mess in three ways, one of three ways. Some of us are fixers, and we'll pull ourselves up and get our act together and decide to organize this mess and make everything neat and tidy. This can be a useful tool. tool. Order and organization can be great things, at least until the organizing and the order becomes about control. And we replace the chaos with a death grip on order. But not all of us are fixers. Some of us seek to control our surroundings in a different way. By controlling the people around us as managers. The more out of control we feel, the more we try to lasso the people around us to micromanage them, to control them. Our husbands, our kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, relatives, church sisters, and along with that manager mentality can become a very critical spirit and a lousy attitude. And anyone who does not comply with our managing is likely to get blasted. And then, if the organizing and the bossing fail, many of us arrive at option three, just to snap. And in a flash, we either get angry or we get scared. I'm prone to one, Jen's prone to the other, and I'll let you all guess which. But have you ever felt this way at the end of your rope? Terrified that you'll fail, barely holding it together, hanging on by a thread, and angry about it. When this happens, we lash out at the people around us, our husbands, our kids, our friends, and we become ticking time bombs or bundles of cold, paralyzed anxiety. But as we move on to verses 25 through 31, we begin to see a solution surfacing. We see words like strength and dignity, wisdom, kindness, excellence pop up. How do you feel about those words? Do you feel like you have any chance of peeling off the hello, my name is failure label and slapping on a sticker that says, hello, my name is strength or hello, my name is wisdom or kindness or excellence or dignity. Any hope of maintaining? Of course not. We already know, don't we? We know that we're not good enough, not strong enough for these jobs. That's why this is so hard. We already know we fail, right? But we get confused about why. The truth is, we fail because we are broken by sin. We can't be the whole strong women we were intended to be. The things that are broken in us, the insecurities, fears, failures, habits, the faults, attitudes, and emotions, they snapped way, way back in the Garden of Eden. 
They are broken beyond our repair. And no amount of organization, management, control, panic, or practice is going to fix them. We sin and struggle because we are sinners living in a sinful world. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of our crazy efforts to make ourselves look like this Proverbs 31 gal just leave us feeling like failures and like frauds because we can't measure up. And it haunts us, and it tears at our hearts, and it scares us to death. And our minds and our hearts are so hurt and so damaged by the lies that Satan splatters all over us. Take control. You're the boss. This isn't fair. It's all on your shoulders. Failure, failure, failure. But the deeper, richer truth is that that rope, it was never ours to hold. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ saw our impossible standard, and he saw our complete brokenness and sin. And he heard every single lie that Satan has shouted at us. And he came. He wrapped himself in humanness and joined us right here on this planet to care for our hurts and to bandage our wounds and to heal us, to buy us back. His life, death, and resurrection sealed the deal. We tried to take control, but he is control. If we place our faith in him and acknowledge that he holds the rope, then he welcomes us, and he helps us begin the process of walking away from our sin. He takes us in his arms as gently as a mom and washes every scratch and every scar, and he takes that awful, tangled mess of a life that we just dumped at his feet, and he kindly and patiently unravels it loop by loop and makes us whole. There's only one real secret to being the kind of Proverbs 31 woman we want to be. We have to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our tangled mess, and we have to focus on him, on Jesus, the one that is holding all of the ropes. And we have to repent of our sin and place all of this life, the good, the bad, and all of the ugly, into his hand. That is where our identity and our rest comes from, now and forever. Our passage wraps up with two beautiful encouragements for our frazzled, weary souls. First, verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. All the qualities we're chasing, charm, Popularity, beauty, fitness, organization, success, each one of those qualities is temporary, limited, and totally incomplete. The hole that we are trying to fill in our hearts cannot be filled that way. It will only ever be filled by Jesus. And if that's not exciting enough, then he gives us the second piece, verse 31. 
Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. When we surrender ourselves to him and trust him to hold the ropes, he takes the tangles and the knots and he makes them straight. He makes them come to life and bear good fruit. Because he is good, he creates fruit in us where none should ever exist. He makes it grow and mature in us and around us to encourage us and to lift up our heads. We never need to wear that, hello, my name is failure, tag again. Not ever, unless we choose it. Because that is no longer who we are. He gives us new names. So today, Jen and I would like to leave you with just one final question. Which name are you going to choose?